Okay, we have a couple of newbies uh, coming up this hour as far as uh, assembly posts. Uh, we'll talk about Ed Flood and Kev- and Chris Sperber a little bit later on. First, though, uh, this individual is vying for re-election term number two in the New York State Senate. You know him well on the first. His name is Anthony Palumbo. Nice enough to give us a couple of minutes here on a Tuesday morning. Sir, how are you? How you been? I'm well, Jay. Good morning. Thanks for having me. All is good. All is good. How's uh, how's the campaign uh, trail uh, with you? Going well, thank you. Final week, you know, last push. Um, and actually, it's remarkably quiet, as you know, having been involved in this for many years, that, uh, you know, the weeks leading up to the final week are usually, uh, you know, really crazy as far as preparing as a candidate. And then this last week is getting out the vote. This is all just kind of groundwork making sure, particularly now that we have early voting in New York, making sure that everyone just gets their voice heard. Very, very important. Um, Unfortunately, in a uh, gubernatorial year like this, a non-presidential, that uh, many people don't vote. So the most important thing I can say is get out and vote. It's extremely important. And do you get that feeling that more people are kind of engaged with this election, you've been involved with a few. What about uh, the feedback you're getting on that? You know, I do. This is uh, the sixth election cycle where I've been on the ballot. Um, and, of course, there's plenty of... We've had some interesting cycles on the presidential side in those those even years. But the other years, um, you know, this, this has... There's a lot of excitement. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in this state. I think a lot of people are very concerned. Unfortunately, we've had one-party rule now that has uh, really changed the direction of New York. Um, And I think many people are concerned. So I am seeing some real excitement um, on the ground. And, you know, the the numbers, the proof's in the pudding, right? The numbers will be what the numbers are when we see them. But the way I see it now, um, that people are excited, they want to get out, and and quite frankly, uh, they want change. They want something different. They want that balance, particularly in Albany, um, because, uh, you know, diversity of thought is a good thing, like anything else, right? All the stakeholders from all sides need to come in when you're talking about something governmental. Um, and then you find the balance. Unfortunately, we haven't had that balance for years. Um, now's a chance for us to get it, to go vote. Uh, um, you know, watching the debate last week, uh, as far as the gubernatorial was concerned, even flipping a few channels as I mentioned uh, yesterday over the weekend and watching uh, uh, the incumbent on uh, Al Sharpton's uh, show on MSNBC just flipping channels a little bit and the the unmitigated goal of trying to call the criminal uh, wave uh, uh, a conspiracy of some sort in order to conjure up something for voters and whatnot. Uh, even uh, her approach to the debate to Lee Zolan last week, asking him a question of uh, why the concentration is so much on something of this nature, meaning crime. Um, you know, you get the point, you get the feeling that, uh, you know, it's getting a little too much for her as far as the feedback and everything else. But my goodness, to be in in that type of denial, you know, she she called a, you know, climate change denier. Uh, election denier, uh, you know, and, and certainly you can make the case that, uh, you know, we have a crime denier as far as the manager of the state is concerned, not recognizing in real time what's going on there. Uh, you kind of get that feeling, you know? 
And you know what's amazing about it, too, is, you know, she's the governor. She's the one right now who is the executive and could actually put forward a plan on how things are going to be fixed. Instead of going with the what seems to be um, the party line now, don't believe your lying eyes, right? Our economy's strong as hell, from according to the president. Inflation is transitory. Don't you worry. Inflation is going down. Gas prices are going down at a dramatic rate. Yeah, he's releasing strategic reserve oil, and it's going down for the next few days so he can get some votes. And as soon as this election is over and we stop doing that, it's going to spike again through the roof. Um, you know, it's just dishonest or completely out of touch. It's either of those two things. Either you're actively lying or you're completely clueless. So the fact that now it looks like crime is really starting to put a dent in the Hulk campaign, that she publicly is trying to say, oh, don't believe your lying eyes. This is all a conspiracy. She's the crime denier. She's the denier, if anybody is. I mean, that's a good point, um, because it, it is in our lap. And when you actually look at the numbers, the numbers are spiking and huge. We have more murders in, in a, than we have in a decade in the city. We have incredible rates, and you don't even have to look year to year. The real numbers are pre-pandemic to today, and crime is out of control. People are being stabbed and shot and pushed in front of subways. Um, it's just it's it's just rampant. So you can't just tell people something and hope they believe your your dishonest comments. And uh, that's where I think that the the intensity is coming from. If you saw that that debate, Lee Zeldin was excited, had some urgency to him, um, and Kathy Hochul was a dud. So, I mean, I think she's looking, and and that's a good example of their campaign, their personalities at that debate. Kathy Hochul trying to run the four corners, run the clock out and hope and pray that the overwhelming majority of Democrats, because the enrollment is so high in New York, we're a deep, deep blue state, that she can win just based on attrition and the numbers. And Lee Zeldin is urgent and anxious and, you know, doing the right thing and working because he wants change. <clears throat> and he knows that we have a lot that needs to be fixed. So, you know, those are, that's the tale of two campaigns right there. Um, and that's why I think the surge is coming um, and I and I just hope and pray that we can get some balance in this state, um, and uh, get a Republican majority in the Senate, and uh, you know Lee Zeldin on the second floor in the governor's mansion, because that will be good for New Yorkers. A little balance is always good. You need balance. One party rule, as you mentioned, does not work. We see that on the national stage, and it certainly trickled down as far as the uh, state uh, is concerned. You know, as far as the the criminal uh, aspect of it all, you know, it is an easy fix. It's, it's, this isn't rocket science, you know. Uh, all you have to do is give a judge, uh, the, you know, the powers back. You give judges discretion to consider public safety, no matter what the charges are, in deciding whether an individual needs to be jailed pending a trial. That's all you need to do. Uh, and, you, you know, there's other things. Obviously, I said there's three things. That, the aspect of disclosure and the aspect of discovery. You fix those three, and guess what? You're back in the game again. But, you know, we have seen a shift in the political landscape where now it's about the pandering to a base, and that is costing lives. And, uh, you know, we made this turn many years ago, and this is because of the one-party rule that exists. 
as far as the state of New York. We know it doesn't work. There's no common sense at all. There's no recognition, especially when you have two so-called leaders that sit in Albany, like uh, Carl Hasty and Andrew Stewart-Cousins, when they don't want to recognize what is going on in real time, and that is part of the issue here. Anthony, you know, I mean, Tony, it's a terrible situation. But until you fix that mindset, guess what? You got nothing. And, you know, and that's exactly it. Having been there during this transition, I've been in the legislature now for almost 10 years, and you had this this confluence of, of ideas, you know, this combination of when AOC and that whole group started to take power. The squad was all elected. Um, Joe Crowley and Queen, who was the number two guy, was the floor leader for the Democrat minority at the time, was very well-liked very experienced, was badly beaten in a primary in a, in a blue district by AOC, by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whose position was everything's going to be free. She's, she's a member of the Democratic Socialists, um, where they're proudly socialist. And that seemed to gain traction. And along with that whole policy of everything is free, the government should control everything, was also an idea that Cops are bad people, criminals are the victims, and we need to do more to empower the criminals. And, and that's really, and I'm not kidding, that, that, that's the actual attitude, and that's prevailed over these years. And so we got all these reforms that, yes, was it, were there changes needed to, to bail? Sure. Nobody wants anyone to sit in jail for two years on $500 bail awaiting trial. That's wrong. We all agree. I'm a former prosecutor, as you know. There's something wrong with that. That needed to be adjusted and fixed without question. However, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and just open the door and say everyone gets out because you do need to actually punish crime. There are criminals who do bad things who need to be punished, and that's the way it works in our society. You're not, your punishment is removal from society. You pay your debt to society, and then you get another shot. Sometimes you don't get another shot depending on the severity and heinous nature of the crime. So, you know, this is something that is a process that's never perfect, but you swing the pendulum so far in the other direction that now we're, we're, we're visibly more dangerous. Um, and the inability to, for, of them, uh, for them to admit that is really what the problem is at this point. So they need to be removed from office so we, we can, again, have that balance and diversity of thought for people like myself who have, I believe, very good ideas on how to make it right um, and to not just turn a blind eye when people are being pushed in front of subways. But he cannot use the verbiage as far as the word dangerousness is concerned. Uh, That's an issue. That's an issue. And we've seen, you know, let's recidivism rates are at an all-time high no matter what the Stuart cousins of the world actually say it is the fact is that people are arrested and then rearrested only to be back out on the streets again you know and that has to stop right now because you're putting everybody in harm's way you also got to embrace cops you got to get more cops out on the street and the subways we don't see any you know and uh, and that's part of the issue as well now Another issue is trying to keep people in this state from an economic standpoint 
And the big question is, how do you fix it? You know, when you have a $220 billion budget, taxes through the roof, and everything else, you know, you also have a governor that spends recklessly as far as wanting to build the stadium on taxpayer dollars in her neck of the woods. Um, you know what? That just doesn't bode well right now in these tough times. So the question is, how do you keep people from leaving here? Well, look, I have always been an advocate for small business in the le- in the legislature. Um, I'm endorsed by um, you know, the Business Council, have a 100% rating with the National Federation of Independent Businesses. That is basically, they score you on legislation and your votes, yes or no, depending on those that uh, are good or bad. But a business-friendly environment is number one, specifically talking about even Long Island, is the number one issue that I see um, that falls into the, the taxes and jobs category. Because that's always been the issue. My predecessor, Senator Laval, I became very friendly with when I was in the Assembly. Ken Laval was in this office for 44 years. And we would talk about it. And he would say, you know what? I've been basically trying to deal with the same issues um, and the newer ones being um, actually a third category of the environment. But taxes, jobs, cost of living, that has been the concern on Long Island forever. So, you know, mandates on businesses. We've lost over a third of our small businesses. Um, You know, masking up and shutting everybody down, saying that small businesses have to close during this pandemic, but that's okay. Walmart and Best Buy and Home Depot, you can stay wide open. Where people can congregate by the hundreds, don't worry, folks. You can go to the big box stores, and meanwhile, we crush our small businesses. So I think it's it's a general theory of, Less government is more. That's how I've always felt is most important. We need those that type of thinking, but we need to lift all the mandates. We have this 49, we have 49 out of 50 states as far as business friendly. We moved up one from last. Um, so that, I think, is, is, is a, a big step in the right direction. And then, of course, it's taxes. You live in New York City, you're the highest taxed person in the country. You make a lot of money in the city. The high wage earners, they just implemented $4 billion um, two years ago. Democrat majorities implemented $4 billion in additional taxes on rich people. When COVID has obviously shown us that people who have means can work remotely. Now, do I say they don't pay their fair share? Of course not. But they're paying a lot more than everyone else. And uh, we do have, you know, again, a balance where the middle class needs some breathing room um, and we need to control um, our spending on, on just the, the, on, a, on a big level um, you know we have a spending problem it's not so much a taxing problem as it is a spending problem because as those revenues come in um, these the, the group in power continues to spend that money on projects and in other areas rather than just giving it back to the taxpayer that's what I would like to do. As revenues increase, give them back to the little guy because that's the most important person that we need is that base. Uh, you must control and lower the back-breaking tax burden and cost of living that is uh, strangling hard-working New York families right now. And we know that they have pushed many of them to their breaking points and thus forcing them to flee uh, to other states. You know, we mentioned three cities today, 
Sacramento, Vegas, Miami. That is some of the territory that New Yorkers are fleeing to because they just can't afford to live. And I'll tell you, another big category, uh, Senator, is uh, that of education. Uh, We have seen that slip over the years. Uh, You know, talk about uh, CRT and, uh, you know, the academics. Uh, As far as the scores and everything else, we are way behind, and somehow we got to fix it. And, you know, I've said all along, we've got way too many school districts in New York. Each have their own superintendents, deputy superintendents, math, science, social studies, et cetera, et cetera. Consolidate, please, save some money in that sense. But somehow we got to kind of have to figure out what's going on here because that's that's been slipping over the years. You know, we, we did also incentivize municipalities to share services. Out by me on the North Fork, um, two of the high schools did have one superintendent for quite some time, and it worked. Um, and that's what's important because enrollment was down. Believe it or not, in my district, I think I'm the only one. We lost a million people in New York. Um, to other states and out-migration. We had the largest out-migration of any state in the the nation. Um, But Senate District 1 increased significantly because people were fleeing the city and moving out east. So in my district, which, um, of course, you know, incorporates the five eastern towns, so the South Fork, the Hamptons, uh, Shelter Island, and the the North Fork, and northern Brookhaven, people moved out here for good and moved to their second home. So we did have a bit of an influx, um, but I'm 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 very concerned about those issues with our schools. Um, we're coming out of a pandemic, which was hard on everyone. So you know, I'm I'm just uh, I I think we need to figure out how to right that ship because um, you know that's the most important thing we can do in a civilized country. Um, that uh, you know we need to educate our children. Period. Um, we're falling behind. To other nations and that and that's not the america i know so you know we need to figure out how to write that ship and quite frankly we need to also keep in keep in mind as you mentioned you know the different uh, the different ideologies and, and uh, not teaching our students you know history and math and science um moving into some woke agendas that look there is a time and a place for you know those types of discussions in a college sociology classroom, maybe not with seven-year-olds. So again, it's about balance. Once again, it's about people, everyone putting in their ideas and thoughts, and you finding the common ground that makes sense. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't been what's happened in the past few years in Albany. So uh, we need to get to the ballot box with a week to go, early voting or otherwise. We need to vote and uh, bring some changes to this state. There's no question. And uh, we said in the beginning, you know, the one-party rule uh, has created a mess. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, seven days, seven days, Senator. And uh, we hope you have you uh, on uh, for a final uh, comment as far as over the next couple of days. Uh, Good luck with all, and we will follow your trek towards November the 8th. Senator Palumbo, how's that? Very good. Thank you, my friend. Good to talk with you, and you'll be well.